Christians already welcome you if it's your first time in Arena Church, a particularly warm welcome. Alongside Christian, I'm Phil, one of the pastors. This is my first message in Arena Church as a granddad. Hey! <laughs> you wouldn't expect me to say anything else, but she is the most amazingly beautiful girl in all of the world, you know. And, uh, and uh, uh, we're just sort of really thrilled, so uh, it's great to be together. And uh, tonight, I, 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 the, the word on my heart is, uh, is a, I'll just give a context for it in a moment or two. I'll give you a Bible verse. And uh, I really sense this. I know that often the preacher will say it, but I really sense tonight none of us are here by chance. And uh, it may be that you've been a believer for many, many years. I believe God's got something to say to you. And as Paul was leading us in the prayer and worship time, it may be that you're on a journey. Um, and uh, you're an onlooker, you, 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 you're trying to maybe work through your cynicism or your doubt or whatever. And I believe God's got something to say to you uh, tonight. The verse is a well-known verse. Even for people sometimes that haven't been to church, they may know this verse. It's Psalm 46 and verse 1. And it says these words, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. This is the second part of just a two-part message called felt needs. And if I can contextualise it, what we sought to do during the autumn, both in Arena Ilkeston, that does church in the morning, the gathered church, and Arena Mansfield, that does the gathered church in the evening, one church, two locations, same leadership, is that uh, we'll... We'll normally do the ministry across both churches, not always on the same day, um, because sometimes it, it runs a little differently. But during the autumn, it's been our intention to roll out three or four quick fire, snappy series that reflect something of the journey that a few of us had in going to a great prevailing church in another nation in the early summer. So we talked about living on purpose. We believe that the only way that you can find purpose in life is to give your life wholly to Jesus Christ. As Dr. Billy Graham, the greatest evangelist of the 20th century, said, there's a hole, a gap in every one of our hearts that can only be filled by God. And it's only when it's filled by God in the love of Jesus that we find real purpose. When, as Paul says, everything starts to come together. And we talked about living on purpose to give. Living on purpose to serve. And Josh spoke from this platform about living on purpose to love. Then we did a couple of weeks on pray first with me. And then, and then Pastor Chris Hodges giving a great second message courtesy of, of uh, video. It sets us up beautifully for our uh, uh, season of prayer and fasting, which begins the first Monday of 2016 and runs through for 21 days. More about that later. We're not saying you can't eat for 21 days, but we are saying that within that period, we commit to praying and also to fasting, to, to, to spiritually prioritise a pursuit after God. And we believe in it's going to set us up for the new year. Great challenges in the new year, great things happening, and we need to have a focus upon God. And then the third thing that comes out of that season is this message called felt needs and Christian before he went on holiday initiated a survey around the church and asked people to say what are you feeling what's the felt needs he did it into community as well and unsurprisingly there was a little bit of a difference between 
the community needs and the church. But there were two things that spiked during felt needs. And we've only got two Sundays to deal with them. Last week, Christian dealt with the felt need of loneliness. Many people that are lonely in the earth. As we come to Christmas time, the statistics of all people that will spend their Christmas on their own are staggering. Staggering, frightening. If there's an old person on your street that doesn't seem to be getting any visitors, at least just knock on the door at Christmas time and, and wish them well. And the other felt need was the felt need of trouble. And particularly trouble in the earth. When I say that this message was crafted before the fateful events of a week last Friday, but they'll give some context into one or two things that I want to say later. I feel a burden for this message. I feel also I want to communicate it well. And I want to send it, I want to be direct, I want to be candid, I want to be straight. But I, and I, want to, I don't want to dress anything up tonight. We live in a troubled world. But I want to send us out of the meeting tonight in faith. Every one of us built up knowing that God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help, even in times of trouble. You may say, I've come to church tonight, I'm looking to be blessed and encouraged, and the preacher's going to talk on trouble. And already his shoulders are slumped. Well, hopefully we'll reverse that over the next few minutes. The Psalm 46 was written by the sons of Korah. You'll know that many of the Psalms were written by David. And God used him as a worshipper to bring many Psalms to God. But not this one. And there were numbers, several Psalms, particularly in the 40s of the Psalms, that were written by the sons of Korah. They were a musical minstrel band that travelled around declaring the praises of God. For instance, Psalm 42 about hoping in the Lord was written by the sons of Korah. And it seems as though maybe one of their friends, certainly an associate, had been taken to another land. And there was longing to come back to the place where he could worship with his friends. Where people mocked him. Where he spent night and day crying before God. And they brought this song to the Lord that, don't don't be downcast. uh, But let your hope be in God. We recognise that even in those times, several thousand years ago, there was trouble, there was insecurity, there was distress and challenge in the earth. So here's where we're going to go tonight. I'm going to get back to Psalm 46 verse 1 a little later. But first of all, I want to talk a little bit about feelings. Then I want to talk a little bit about trouble. And then I'll bring us back to Psalm 46 to seek to bring an answer. Firstly, feelings, felt needs. What were we feeling? Well, loneliness. Christian addressed it last week. And trouble, trouble in the world. It may be that when you became a Christian, somebody prayed with you. I was listening to uh, our Alison yesterday, and without sort of giving anything away for various reasons, the joy of her leading uh, a family to Jesus last week, because at the end of the service, says, you know when people put their hands up, what does that mean? Well, it means they give their life to the Lord. Um, well, I didn't do it then, I don't think I could, but can I do it now? Yeah. So in the coffee time afterwards, a prayer where people called out to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And it may be that when you came to Jesus, somebody said to you, remember, it's faith that counts, not feelings. Don't walk off your feelings. It's about faith. Well, the reality is 
That is true, but not entirely so. Because what people were trying to encourage you to realise is that it wasn't determined by feeling. The danger is, friends, that we extinguish feelings from our journey of faith. But God has made us body, soul and spirit. Our body, of course, is our frame. Our spirit particularly connects back to God. But the soulishness of us has got a, a, a depth, a reservoir that feels things. Our emotions, our inner being, it, it is a gift to us to feel things. We feel empathy and emotion and compassion. We feel happiness and sorrow and joy and grief. It's okay. You see, if you remove feelings from faith, then you get a joyless, expressionless, cold and clinical Christianity that nobody's attracted to. Because it's about faith. And it's completely extinguished feelings. You ever been to a church like that? Oh. And there's some people in that church, if I say reflect respectfully, that are jumping up and down on a Saturday afternoon. Now I like football. A lot. But 22 boats kicking a bag of wind around. They get pumped and emotional. But somebody's told them on Sunday morning, it's cold and clinical. As we worship the living God, there's something not right. There's something not right. As you read the Psalms, 150 of them, you'll find that they're full of extravagant, emotional expression of worship to God. Lifting hands, shouting, singing, dancing, joying in the Lord. That's what church is meant to be. And if you dig a little deeper, you'll find that there are many Psalms that carry what I describe as the heart cries of those that write them. Where if I can say it again carefully, the writers vent their spleen before the Lord when they're going through times of trouble. Of course we don't want Christians to be defined by our feelings. Otherwise we are like the proverbial roller coaster. But to deny them is crass. You are built to feel. You are built to be emotional about God's. You are built to be extravagant in your worship and praise to Him. And if somebody's bottled you into something different, it's time to break out and find a liberty in God that you were built for in your worship and thanks to the Lord. So when issues come, particularly hard issues, it's unsurprising that we feel them. And that's okay. Now a few things about trouble. Trouble is defined as something that disturbs our calm and contentment, that causes pain and discomfiture, that disturbs, that agitates. Trouble is defined as something that is inconvenient. The whole subject is huge. Theologians, philosophers, commentators have spent a lifetime wrestling with the truth of trouble and pain and suffering. And my nervousness tonight in bringing this message, friends, to Arena Mansfield is that in the allotted time that I've got, I won't be able to do it justice. And to some extent, I can't. But I'm going to try and give a little bit of a help in understanding how we navigate testings and troubles. 
Firstly, let me talk about troubles that are explainable. If you go against life principles, if you drive on the opposite side of the road 24-7, if you go through signs that say stop without stopping, don't be surprised if you get trouble in your life. There are laws that make life work. And internally, that's how lots of us live. It's called sin. I was going through my notes on Friday morning and I really felt just a check from the Spirit of God. Because a couple of times recently, I've said from the platform, sin's a bit of an old-fashioned word and we don't use it very often now and people don't like to hear it. And I felt God say to me, why are you being apologetic about sin? Name it as it is. So I am going to. There's no apology tonight. The word sin's mentioned many times in the Bible. It means missing the mark. It means falling short of the perfect glory of God. And it means that if you don't repent of it and confess your sins and find forgiveness, you're going to a Christless eternity. That's what sin does. And when we deliberately live our way instead of God's, when we deliberately Live near the edge of the cliff with no fence in place. Don't be surprised sometimes if you find yourself falling down and hitting the cliffs below. And thank God, God in his grace has lifted people all over this room tonight from the, from the bottom of the cliff face, smashed on the rocks and has restored you. That's why we're here tonight because there's good news. There's good news. And all sin initially seems fun. The Bible describes it as the pleasures of sin for a season. Your marriage has gone stale. It seems fun to be flirting with that young woman at work. But where's it going to go? And the consequences potentially could be devastating. You could do with a few quid. It seems fun to have a few bets on the GGs. But then you find out you can't stop. And you're lying to people that are close to you. Because your budget's out of kilter every month. Everything starts as fun. But sin brings a consequence. Sin has a wage. The wages of sin is death. And so as you can see, I'm being utterly unapologetic about it tonight. I can't be any more clear than if you have never repented of your sins. If you have never said, Jesus, I am sorry for the way that I have lived if you have never applied the power of the cross to your life, you are heading up for death that separates you from God forever. And that is a choice in our lives and it will cause us trouble. Trouble. And uh, we need to, to recognise that. Trouble that uh, defines itself by how we live but let me go on not only trouble explainable I've just gone a little bit further on that and let me give you two or three examples I uh, when I minister this message at Ilkeston it was the day after Halloween I don't want to get freaky about Halloween I get worried about the church only coming out on the 31st of October to say they don't like Halloween nobody's going to listen to you if, if we're always just talking about what we're against they're not going to listen to what we're for you need to get pumped about positive, positive things and then they might listen to. So I don't want to get freaky about it. But the reality is, friends, that the third most celebrated day in our calendar in this country now is Halloween, behind Christmas and Easter. 
And this year, the retail industry took £280 million pounds that was spent on the celebration of it. I don't know about you, but I saw people dressed as witches going down the road. And this is seemingly acceptable. And it celebrates darkness. It celebrates death. I was listening to a TV, uh, sorry, a radio phone in, on the week of Halloween. The humanist who was saying, I, I, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in the su- supernatural, seemingly also missed the irony when he says, but I love Halloween, you know. And so, it, it sort of, uh, and, the, and the guy didn't drive it down and he didn't get it. I don't want to celebrate the dead, I want to celebrate the life. He's alive. He's alive forevermore. <clears throat> I read a report in the National Press, the 7th of September 2015, that last year in our schools there were 5,500 sex attacks. Sorry, in the last two years. One commentator says this is the fruit of pornography. If we keep stripping away at the innocence of our children, we will reap trouble. Do you know my continual battle with technology? <clears throat> I'm so glad I'm not a client to talk talk. You know. I do wonder sometimes where all my details are going, you know. I mean, it's frightening. You know, they just tap something in now. They can tell you your car registration. (laughs) But the fact of the matter is that, you know, things can go amiss at times. And we laugh about certain things that have taken place, not funny to the people that it's happened to. But I wonder if you caught that website uh, scandal in North America where somebody hacked into the Ashley Madison website, a website set up for people to sign up to commit adultery. It has 37 million clients across the earth and all their names went public. I have to say there are people that have committed suicide since. There are people whose marriages are broken down. The consequences of such a thing becoming public was huge. Just a bit of fun. But sin drew the sting of it. So, Trouble that has an explanation to it. And then trouble that's inevitable. Paul said in his prayer and worship introduction tonight that there's been times in his life as a believer where he's had to navigate struggles and storms. But the cornerstone has made everything come in place. And I want to say then Christian and me and the eldership of the church say that if you are buying into a gospel that says because you believe in Jesus you're never going to get a problem Without equivocation, it's a false gospel. You will still face challenges. You will still face storms. But the cornerstone will hold everything together. And the Bible says that because of the fallenness of this world, trouble is inevitable. We live between two gardens in Genesis and Revelation. And in the middle is muck and nettles. It's called life. It means that sometimes your car's not going to start or it's going to puncture. When you least expect it. You're going to forget something. You're going to lose something. Things go wrong. Not because there's anything wrong with you. But because we're human. And we live in a real fallen world. Job says man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upwards. Well there we go. Jesus says don't worry about tomorrow. Because today has enough trouble of its own. He went on to say that in this world you will have trouble. Not negative, real. So trouble that 
is explainable because of sin. Trouble that is inevitable because of life. Trouble, this is the difficult one, that is unpredictable. Trouble that is inexplainable and inexplicable. You're going along merrily and a health challenge comes. Your job seems so secure until the boss calls you in and says, you know what, we're going to have to make people redundant. A relationship goes wrong that seems so sweet and so we could go on. And all of those things have come across the life of Arena as we seek to do life together. It causes pain. People feel it and they feel it deeply. Just in the last month, let me give you a couple of illustrations that have come via Julie into the Assemblies of God Central Area Office that we represent. One of our pastors, not too far from here, got a little boy, four years of age, with a temperature. He went to the GP and the GP says, uh, I'm going to send you to the hospital. He says, I think you'll probably find that it's quite, you're going to have to be patient. It's going to be quite a long day. But at the end of it, you'll have peace of mind. At the end of the day, they find out that four-year-old lad has got leukemia. Right out of the blue. One day's okay. Next day's sick. One of my mentoring group who's planting a church in one of our great northern cities just a few weeks ago sent an email out. His wife's a beautiful young lady. She's in her late 30s, no issues. Until all of a sudden she felt sick and she went to the doctors and she'd been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Right out of the blue trouble we don't want to set anybody up for trouble in in arena church we don't encourage anybody to go looking for trouble if the sun is shining down on you and the world's all as it should be as matt redmond says enjoy it don't say i wish it were raining you know but troubles come and of course the inevitable question comes why And I want to say, friends, it's okay to say why. Some Christians feel guilty. They're somehow unspiritual. Or they've not got enough faith. It's okay to say why. And sometimes there's no answer. Apart from the fact that God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in times of trouble. And we can always lean upon God. Sometimes we just have to stick to the simplicity of the fact that God is always the answer, whatever the situation And then what about Troubles Global? Well, a week last Friday, we had another expression of global terror. Young people at the Bataclan Concert Hall in downtown Paris just enjoying a concert. Wouldn't have been my music, but it was theirs. And all of a sudden, 90 of them rushed into eternity. I bought the Times last Monday, just as an additional read. There was a montage of photographs all over one page. 33, 27, 19, 22. It was an attack on a young generation, friends. I say without equivocation tonight, it was demonic. That's not about religion. It was a demonic attack on one of our great cities that ushered 130 plus people into eternity in a moment. Why is that happening? The Archbishop of Canterbury has confessed on national media tonight that he had a moment of saying, why? A pang of doubt. God, what are you doing? What is God doing? We need a prophetic voice. Not freaky, weird, chasing the headlines. But we need to know, going into 2016, friends, what is God doing? 
What is God saying? How does God want us to respond? Because there's an upheaval that's taking place in the earth that needs for us to draw in the attention of God. I don't have the answers to Syria and to Israel and to the Russia-Ukraine crisis. I don't have the answers to the Middle East. I don't have the answers to persecuted in the earth, to cyber attacks, to financial instability. The global uh, tremors that are shaking in the earth. But friends, God is looking for us to be capturing his attention. And I believe that local church, and thank God for local church in Paris over this past week, pastors and church workers that have been a help to many, many people. I believe the local church all over the world needs to be exactly what it's called to be, the hope of the world. You see, because there are people watching these screens terrified in Mansfield tonight. And we need to be purveyors of hope. And then what about trouble spiritual? Job was a righteous man, but had many tests of faith. David was a man after God's own heart, was tested in integrity and failed. The consequences were breathtaking. Jeremiah was a prophet, so committed to God that he was prepared to be imprisoned and dropped into a pit, a weeping prophet. And he prayed and uh, it persecuted anyway. Paul and Silas set someone free and for their troubles were bound in the prison. And the reality is across the earth today, friends, many of our brothers and sisters are challenged with trouble simply for believing the same gospel as us. One of the most credible organisations in the earth today helping the persecuted church is Open Doors. And Open Doors is a brilliant organisation that seeks to come alongside the secret church. And there are nations in the earth, friends, whether we like it or not, we're of necessity because it's literally a matter of life and death that you have to be a secret believer. Open Doors recently said that there are over 70 nations in the earth where your freedom is compromised simply because of your Christian faith. And the top five nations in the earth that are known for persecution are unsurprisingly North Korea, the most close nation on the earth, Somalia, Iraq, Syria, and Afghanistan. Martyrdom, martyrdom friends, is not confined to Stephen and the Acts of the Apostles. Martyrdom is taking place in the 21st century, uncomfortable as that is. Trouble simply for being a believer. I hope I've not weighed you down with all these things. But if I'm going to talk about trouble tonight, I've got to talk about trouble. And as I've already said, I'm clearly not encouraging people to go looking for it. Some people seem born to look for trouble. Please don't be like that. Not all of these things will affect all of us all of the time. But the reality is, there are occasions where we will face trouble. And that's inevitable. At some point, simply because we're part of humanity, and yes, on occasions, simply because we're believers, trouble will come to our world and we'll feel it deeply. Trouble, friends, that's explainable. Trouble that's inevitable. Trouble that's 
unpredictable, the worst of all. Trouble that's global, a world that's literally being shaken. And trouble sometimes that's spiritual. How do we respond to all of this? Well, I'm so thankful as a, not only a communicator of the word, but also a believer in the word. Somebody that reads the Bible for myself, not just to get a message ready. I'm thankful, friends, that whatever experience any of us find, there's always an anchor word. There's always somebody that can hold you in the storm that we've sang about tonight. Always. There's always a word. And the word tonight is Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. So as I close, five bullet points from this psalm. Firstly, character. God. Where is God? God is right in the midst, friends, of this suffering, shaking, frightened world. That's where God is. God who is all-powerful. God who is all-knowing. God who is ever-present. God who is loving and compassionate and gracious and patient. I can hear some of you running to the philosophical questions now saying, why? If that's God, did we have Paris? I don't have time to go there tonight. And far better people than me have tried to wrestle with it. There's many good books out there to help you. But the reality is, friends, that so often we want free will on our terms. We want free will to do our thing. But when things go, go wrong, we want God to sort it out. And God's amazing gift, the first thing he gave the, uh, Adam and Eve in the garden was free will. God's amazing gift of free will is a blessing to the earth, but also inevitably a curse. But God, friends, is unbreachable in his perfect character. God is holy. God is patient. God is jealous over you. That you would no longer be an onlooker, but a believer. God is righteous. Character. Then secondly, certainty. God is. No ifs. No buts. No might be's. God is. You can be certain tonight that God is. Thirdly, comfort. God is our refuge and strength. Refuge and strength. I don't know what that speaks to you about, but it speaks to me about an incredible security. The writer of the Proverbs says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to him and they are safe. And maybe you need to run to God again tonight. And find that he's a refuge. The Bible says in Philippians 4 that we're to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. That we're to allow it to be uh, a guard around us. The original word there is where we get our word garrison from. And you know there are still old garrison towns in our, in our, um, in our nation that are basically guarded by a wall. God comes tonight. And as we worship in a few moments, God's going to come. You're going to go away from here tonight knowing freshly there's a garrison around your life. You've got to run to him. You've got to run to him and know that you're safe. Fourthly, continuity. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help. No clocking off with God. No 35-hour week. No, I don't feel like it tomorrow. It's Monday. Ever-present. Ever-present. If you can't get to sleep tonight, ever present if you've got a tough meeting tomorrow that you're frightened about ever present if you're getting paid on Wednesday but it's not looking good for the following month 
ever present. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. And finally, a context. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. At the end of Romans 8, it gives a list of challenges. It says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. And some of us need to beef up our faith because we're forever wanting to circumnavigate what God wants to take us through. And you will never become the man or woman of God by forever trying to walk around it. God's saying, will you go through it? It'll be inconvenient. It'll stretch you. It'll challenge you. But you'll be so much better for walking through and understanding that in all these things, you're more than conquerors. I've had people say to me at times, I'd like to do what you do. I'd like to stand on the platform. I'd like to be a preacher. I'd like to be a leader like Christian. Well, if you're prepared to sign up for the price, you're welcome to come on the journey. Because the reality is, friends, we have the privilege of doing this tonight because we walk in and through some things that have been deeply troubling on occasions. And we prove God. And verse 2, therefore, I'll say it again. Great piece of theology. If there's a therefore in the Bible, you look what it's therefore. In the light of God being our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble, therefore we will not fear. Even though the earth give way. And Arena Mansfield, I want you to, in a few moments, go and enjoy after fellowship, going to your home tonight, facing the challenges of the week. Fear free. Perhaps the band will come and just help me in the last moments. You see, fear inhibits. Fear undermines. Fear destabilizes. I read just this week that in our nation, this year, there have been one, listen, one billion prescriptions for tranquilizer pills. One billion prescriptions for pills. That is a 50% increase in the last decade. People are frightened. People are frightened. And they can't cope without a pill. Fear undermines. But when we realise that God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble, therefore, we will not fear. The felt need of trouble in the world, friends, is very real. And it may be that you feel it at times. Boy, I felt it. I'm sure you felt it. If you're a believer, you couldn't help but feel anything. And even in recent days, other than a great sense of being moved in your heart about what is taking place in the earth. The world is changing before our very eyes. But God is ever with us, ever constant, ever true. And he calls not just the church, but this church tonight. This church often in a fearful town that maybe is wondering what the future holds. To go tonight, not in fear, but in faith understanding your feelings but not dominated them and if you live like that you'll make a difference let's pray